First question we ask everybody who come on, when you made it to the WNBA, who's the first person to bust your ass? Who? First person to bust my ass? I mean, I got my ass busted every day in practice because I was playing with Delisha Melton and Lisa Leslie. Tina Ooh. Thompson came over. I mean, it was kind of every single day okay. they would put me on the white team. And they would be on the black team and they would take turns not calling fouls and just <laughs> going at you. So really it was pretty much every every single day in practice. Them legends too. Yeah, you had it in, in, on the daily. That's that's rough. Them legends too. Lisa Leslie. But they got you ready early, right? Like they got that's that's iron sharpening iron. I mean, I had a successful first month of the WNBA season and I think I was feeling myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Michael Cooper, who was our coach at the time. I remember the practice where we walked in and, you know, how you warm up when you're a rookie after you had, like, 30 You got your swag before. going, you, you feeling you know, yourself. I was my little lean when I was shooting. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, jogging to spots, and then we scrimmaged, and he called my name with the white team. And I remember being like, mm. all right, like, let's go. Yeah. And then I realized that I was not meant to win because <laughs> I went to the basket and got taken out. Live on location, L.A., California. I got the blackest one with me, and we got one of the goats. We got one of the people going on the Mount goats. Rushmore for the women's basketball. And she from Chicago, you know what I'm saying? Goat. We got Miss Candace Parker in the building. We appreciate you showing up and Thank showing you. us love. Thanks for having me, Mel. Yeah. So you from St. Louis? Were you born? I was in born Saint, in St. Louis. You yeah. born in St. Louis? She from Chicago. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize. Like, you feel me? You see from Chicago. This, this is the flag. She was born in St. Louis. <laughs> Tell us that. Try to throw that in there like that. I just want to put like I've messed with St. Louis. St. Louis is nice. It's uh, we still had family and friends. We go back there every yeah, summer. Yeah, it's, it's no disrespect to the you know, Lou. I'm just nice. saying the facts are the facts. I mean, the St. Lunatics came out, and I kind of claimed St. Louis a little bit during that time. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly was hot and yeah. St. Lunatics, but no, I was born in St. Louis and moved when I was three, and really enjoyed. I mean, I'm 11 years younger than my brother, and my brothers were my heroes growing up. So yeah. everything they did, I wanted to do. Like, we went to the tennis courts. We're playing. It's hot. They took their shirts off. I was over there trying to take my shirt off with my little yeah. barrettes on. So everything they did, you know, I just followed suit. I was a huge soccer player growing up. And uh, and so then they kind of started playing basketball. So I would be in the driveway What's trying to play basketball. And that was during the Bulls. I mean, we moved right when the Bulls started winning championships. Mm, and so yeah. I remember, like, Film. I remember all that, like the repeat, the three P. I remember, like, people riding outside on top of their cars, on top of vans, shooting their guns in I the air, doing everything. everything. I remember the commercials to prevent riots, like when yeah. Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan. Scotty Pippen got on and we're talking about, you know, we want to keep Chicago safe. That's yeah. right. Listen, that's why I tell people all the time, when, like I got the chance to sit up there with me and him. We were sitting up there with Scotty on the jump the other day. I say, man, y'all don't understand. This hit different every single time. Every when time. I'm around, it don't matter what's going on. If I get around Mike or Scotty, it's like, 
Like, hold on, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, this, them, up, like, this, this. They, they, they stand out to people like us more so than anybody we might meet. It's insane. And honestly, I was the biggest Ron Harper fan. Right. And Ron Harper used to give Mike a couple fits. Right, yeah. Before he got to the Bulls. Before I remember he, he Cleveland Cavalier Ron Harper. Cavs, yep. Crazy. Triple Ron Harper so used came, to go to work. Yeah, like, when he came, when he came to Chicago... There's a time when my brother was playing, and it was like Michael Jordan in the hallway and Ron Harper. And I went up to Ron Harper and got Ron Harper's autograph and took a picture with him. And that was on my wall from the time I was probably like nine or ten. That's great. Till, I mean, till we moved out of the house. Yeah. Ron Harper was like everything. Yeah. <laughs> he was key to that Super team. Cool, man. He, he was a key part to that team like mm-hmm. I love that starting lineup with him Mike it was crazy it's, it was that like was lock up man, season lockdown period everything boy down. everything like, it's problems it was nuts no point guard just Ryan Harp out there Scotty running it man them the days man. So, just seeing Scotty so crazy. for you growing up like everybody know like MJ was everybody's favorite player like for you who was the who was the female goat for you that you looked up to and like man. was your goat so at 11 years old, the WNBA started for me. So the summer before, I went out and was like, I'm about to be like Chris Webber and, <laughs> you know, yeah. Michael Jordan. And I'm going to shoot jump shots like that. I'm going to be that, you know, post player that's able to handle the ball, whatever. And then that next summer, it was like, oh, I can, I can dream to be like female athletes. Like I, can, right. I don't have to dream to play in the NBA. I can play in the WNBA. And Cynthia Cooper at that time, Houston Houston Comets were winning championship after championship after. Like, I mean, it was and she came kind of out of nowhere. She from came out overseas. of nowhere exactly. Yeah. And I remember in the in my rec game because I wasn't playing traveling basketball yet. My parents were very one sport, stick to that, and then we can switch during seasons. Like we're not going to burn you out playing basketball. So I didn't really start playing serious basketball till I was like twelve. Yeah. And at that time, I was playing in the rec league, and I remember I hit a shot and like raised the roof. The raise all that, yeah. And so it was just I wanted to be, you know, like like Cynthia Cooper. Who installed the game in you? Like, cause you play soccer and like. You got great footwork. Like, who installed the game and you just switch it to be like basketball is that sport? My dad was like, we laugh. It's probably not funny anymore. We called him like the Joe Jackson of... (laughs) (laughs) It's probably not that funny anymore. (laughs) But yeah, that was my dad. Before I was playing like serious basketball, we would go to the park and his whole thing was like, I don't coach effort. And that was what Coach Summit always said. And he's like, I don't coach effort. So we go to the gym or to the park, and if we weren't practicing hard or something like that, like he would just not say nothing. He would just go get his keys and walk to the car and drive off and be like, and right when he was driving off, be like, yeah, you got to be home in 20 minutes. So he'd be running home, <laughs> like back from the park. And I remember watching this as a kid and being like, man, I can't wait till he does that to me, like to my brothers. Like he, they'd be in the strength shoes, running beside the car, That's all that. And right I remember, there. like, I want him to yell at me. I want to come back from the game and him to tell me off or something like that. And <laughs> yeah, so I guess it was just my dad and my brothers. Like I wanted to do everything they did. So it was just like you wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to be a part of it. And that's yeah. kind of how, it, like our Saturdays, I would beg him after I would 
you know, we had our chores. I police the yard, make sure all the leaves are up. Yeah, hear that, children. Hear that. Man, all that Caleb, stuff. Caleb, if you listen, you heard that. She Man. said chores before anything. Yeah, chores. And then after Thank I finished you. the chores, I'd be like, Dad, can we please go to Edwards Health and Fitness is where we always went. And I'd be like, can we please go to Edwards? And he'd be like, all right. And there's so many memories on a Saturday. I'd be over there trying to dunk a tennis ball. Like, I remember the first time I did that. Like, it's just... Yeah. Those are the memories I see with my dad. Tell me about the first time you dunked a real ball. So I, it was like progression. Cause so my brothers, this goes back to the competition with my brothers. My brothers were five five and five seven entering high school, and I was six two. <laughs> and so if we grew up at the same time, like their little sister would have dwarfed them. Right, like, it would have been, yeah, like I would have been like mouse in the house, like, like let's go type of thing, you know? AP say it ain't Man. so, bro. <laughs> he was five seven, and I was five. Yep, so mm. it was like that. But that's what it was. I mean, it was just trying to be my brothers because they dunked at fifteen, sixteen, yeah. and I was fourteen, and I was like, I'm gonna dunk. So all summer I did strength shoes. I did so wait, toe you had the races. Joint, the joints did. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. on the toe. That, that was back strip. in the era where legit, you would be in school, you see dudes walking, walking around, backpack with the joints yeah. on. Like, oh yeah, you got money. Your parents got you to love. You got the, <laughs> the joints on TV. Shoes. Like, you but got see, East ours Bay. Ours were passed down. So, like, mine were a size, like, I wore a size 12 shoe and mine were a size 14 because they bought my brother okay, shoes right. yeah. and we got them passed down. So, I just tied them real tight and walked around with them. That's but, classic. Man, strength shoes. shoes, I was doing Toe raises on the stairs, push-ups before bed at hey, commercials, all too. that. On the stairs, yeah, toe raises, boy, toe that's raises. classic. I walk around See, on my, I these kids my now got trainers, got no. all this stuff. Like we was legit doing exactly what that's she what said. I mean. You be at the crib, sitting there just doing toe raises. Toe raises. Somebody walk past, like you, like whatever. Like <laughs> what are you doing? I'm trying to be a ball. Like running, trying to touch stuff on the top of the wall. What else? Like one summer, my dad was like, "You need to get better at your left hand." And I was like, okay. So I ate with my left hand all summer. All summer, I just ate with my left hand to get better at it. That's uh, great. That's what, remember, that's what Kobe said. He had his Kobe. daughter do. He mm-hmm. was like, yeah, like he have her do everything. Trying right, left-handed, pick things up, left-handed. Just use, like, you can't use your right hand. Just mm-hmm. do all of this left Do everything left-handed. left-handed. That's, and that's crazy. So that's what it was. And then, man, one summer, I, you know, I was 6'2 at the time in eighth grade. And in gym class, I, I jumped up. I remember when I dunked a tennis ball. And everybody was kind of like, dang, okay. <laughs> and then that summer, I dunked a volleyball, and I couldn't get a basketball. And then one Saturday with my dad, I took the ball, cradled it, and just went up, bop. Wow. And I remember just being so hyped. Like, I was calling my mom. I called my brothers because my brothers were away at school. And, he, you know, Anthony was older, so he was playing basketball overseas. And it was insane. And you went crazy. I went crazy. <laughs> the whole family crazy about it. That's super crazy. Then you start you making history. You dunking in Illinois, first woman to dunk in Illinois, first woman to dunk in NCAA tournament. How is that? I just always wanted to stress that it was a part of my game. And if it brought people to see the game, then they could see all the other things that the I could do. Comes, yeah. You know, I didn't want to just dunk. And that's what my dad always tell me, like, so you want to just be known as a dunker? That's all you want to be known as? Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd be like, nah, you hey, know? I'm messing with pops, man. man. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. I get the break, I'm dunking that exactly. job. I'm at least trying. And yeah, so that's how it was. I just wanted it to, I dunked in Dunny Crown in a, in a Christmas tournament my sophomore year, sophomore or junior year. Yeah. 
and I woke up the next day and there were like news cameras on the, you know, on, my, on our lawn and, you know, like all this stuff. And I was just like, it was that big a deal. You know, I didn't really think of it because my parents didn't. I mean, my brothers were always like, you know, you soft, you, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what motivated. I mean, we're extremely at the dinner table. That's how we are. Like, oh, you had 30 today. Like, like right. Uh, past the salt, you know, yeah. that's, that's just how we are. And so I, I didn't think of it as a big deal. Like to me, it was like what I was supposed to do. My brothers did it. My brothers dunk. So why does it matter if I did? Yeah. I don't know. My parents were you always make it as a big deal. Yeah, My parents were always like, girls can do what boys do. So what? So there was never like a time where they were like, you're a girl, you can't do that. And so it was never a big deal to me. Talk about winning the dunk contest at the McDonald's game over Josh Smith, J.R. Smith, who are two. Like, Josh Smith won the dunk contest in the NBA, and J.R. Smith is one of the all-time crazy dunkers. I will go to my grave with this. All I did was make my dunks, and they missed their dunks. And so when everybody's like, dang, like I'm like, you can't win a dunk contest if you miss your dunks. Right. That's what happened. I just made mine. They missed theirs. And I remember the next day, it was April Fool's Day like one or two days after that and my brother was overseas and we called on the phone from the hotel like hey aunt I won the McDonald's All-American Dunk Contest like, aunt I won, we, I won it and him being like it's April Fool's like nah forget that da, da, da. and so he had to wait he got the USA Today and saw it in the paper before he believed us that we won I remember watching that and being like this is crazy. Like the fact, and I was like, and I remember being like talking crap. Like she from Chicago though, so you already know it's nothing new here. You know what I'm saying? Talk, but I was like, be. I remember that was one of the. I was really impressed with that. Like, and like you said, it was. It was they were trying crazy stuff, they but like you said, you made stuff. you made your dunks, and that's what you got to do. And I just remember being like, yo, she really wanted that, and all the girls running around. I was like, that was sick. That was like something. For me, that was, in my head. I was coming off an ACL. I had just torn my ACL like six or seven months before that. Yeah. And I will tell you, before I hurt my knee, and I've had seven knee surgeries since then, so I could straight up do crazy dunks. And so for me, it was like, I'm going to enter it just because it's a good cause, and not cause, but like a good way to bring attention to women's basketball, but I really wish that I could have done it before I I had torn my ACL. (laughs) And doing stuff like that, but you know, you got the trophy though. She got the, you know what I mean? my mom got the trophy. I don't have it. <laughs> Mama Parker don't play. You was back to back player of the year in high school. A lot of people want to do that. A lot of people haven't done that. That's rare. You won in your junior year. Your next year, you came out and then you chose Tennessee. What made you choose Tennessee out of everybody you could have chose? So my oldest brother, he played professional basketball for a number of years in the NBA as well as overseas. My middle brother is a doctor. And when he was picking a school, he picked a school based on him wanting to be a doctor. He went to, you know, Wash U. Then he went on to Johns Hopkins. I mean, he picked the best school to be a doctor. And for me, I wanted to be a basketball player. Like, I think people come out and are like, whoa, 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 you can't aspire to be a basketball player. Like, no, that's what I wanted to do. And I mean, it didn't mean that that's the only thing that I could do in college. And so I wanted to do communications. I wanted to be a basketball player. And Tennessee had amazing, were amazing at both. I mean... Women's basketball, when you can walk into an arena and say you've played in front of 26,000 people at a Connecticut game or you you had the highest attendance rate of almost 17,000 your senior year in college, Knoxville's eats, breathes, sleeps women's basketball. Yeah. We were second in Midnight Madness. We played second. 
The guys played first and we played second. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's like That's when you have that right and there, it was like... cool. Like it was like that was what the guys respected it. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what it is. I, I think that's I, I mean, never Bruce knew Pearl, that. Yeah, Bruce Pearl came in and was like, Listen, combined, me and Coach Summit have won eight championships. <laughs> He's won zero. <laughs> so we understood, you know, what it's about. And I think it's that respect factor that Coach Summit demanded. And I knew that she would grow me as a basketball player but also as a human being. And she always spoke about, you got to be versatile. I can hear it. Parker, you're versatile on the court. You got to be versatile off the court. And that's the reason why I chose Tennessee. Hmm. Would you say the three Meeks had any influence on that with the, the noise they was causing up there and the way, they was, the way they was playing? And they was legendary Man. up there, yes. winning championships. Tamika, and Shamiqua. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, okay. I was attracted to Tennessee because... I wanted to go somewhere and bring a championship, but I didn't want it to be like, I didn't want to just add to like the greatness, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of be my own woman. So when they went on a little drought, that's really what attracted me to Tennessee. Okay. Because I think sometimes fans get spoiled when it's just championship after championship. And then like you make it to the final four and they're like, what happened? Or you make it to the, like golden state fans just got spoiled. Like, dude, y'all went to the finals. Like, I lost, but you guys went, you know how many franchises would dream of that? So for me, I grew up watching Shamiqua Tamika and Samika and the Meeks win championship after championship. And then they didn't win until 07, 08 was, which was when we were there. And so Mm. that kind of, you know, UConn had its little run during that span with Diana Taurasi. And I was like, okay, like we about to bring Tennessee back. So that's that's kind of what attracted me to, you know, to Tennessee. What did you get from Pat Summit that you took with you when you went to the WNBA? Man, I've gotten in life. It's not even basketball. Uh, She wasn't big on tattoos, but when she was, she got sick. I got a tattoo for her. Um, Like she always faced everything head on. So whatever journey, game, whatever, it didn't matter. You know, she was going to attack it and do her best. And so I asked her, like, when she got sick with Alzheimer's, I was like, so what do you what do you do? Like, how do you attack every day? And she's like, left foot, right foot, breathe, repeat. And so I think just when things get hard and in life, on the court, whatever, that's kind of what I take with me. I mean, she was an amazing woman. I can remember one time in college, she got on me the day before in practice and I was like, all right, coach, I get it. So the next day I set my alarm. We had 6 a.m. practice. I set my alarm for like 3.30. I got to the gym at like 4.15. I'm like, I'm going to be on the court sweating. When she gets here, I'm going to show her that I really. I pull up to the gym. Her light's on in the office. She's there already. She's already there. So it's just like every time you try to like outdo Pat with Pat stuff, you're never going to outdo her with things she says. And yeah. so even like when she got sick and even when things weren't good, she still, because you know, it's easy for people to win championships and say all this stuff like, you gotta work hard and you gotta whatever. But she always backed up everything she said. So yeah. I'm not past Summit by any means. It's taken me a long time to, you know, put it to work. But I think right now she would be really proud with how I attack life. Straight up. Straight That's up. awesome. If you had to pick four other players to play with Uh-oh. from Tennessee okay. to play against Pat. And the rest of the catalog of the Lady Vols, who would the four other players be? Who would I pick? I mean, I got to go with Tamika and Shamiqua for sure. So that's three. I mean. It's, it's curtains already. I would say 
Deja Charles, RIP Deja, she was amazing. She was the train and kind of like the four position yeah. was able to move mobile, all that. And then, man, our point guard, we, we won two national championships and on any day I'll take Alexis Hornbuckle over a lot of different players. Straight so I up. think Alexis Hornbuckle. Squad. You know one pick and you playing with Lisa Leslie right away. You're like, that's crazy. People look back on their history and be like, man, Candace Parker and Lisa Leslie played together. Like, that's crazy. You know, as the history go on, people be like, dang, Magic played with Kareem? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the fact, like it's it's crazy to see legends, like, get an opportunity to play together. Like, you had Cheryl Swoop, Cynthia Cooper, Tina Thompson. Legends, Hall of Famers just like playing together. Man, I looked at it. I'm I'm a huge student of the game. So, basketball has always been on our television, something that we've read about. I can look up in the rafters at almost any gym and tell you every person that's got their jersey retired and, you know, from across the country. So when I got to playing with them, playing with Lisa, like I knew the history. I knew what she meant to the game of basketball. And I knew it was similar to kind of how San Antonio got Tim Duncan and, yeah. you know, with Robinson. David Robinson was hurt the year before. Right. Tim Duncan, it was similar. Lisa Leslie was pregnant the year before. And I remember watching the standings and hoping that L.A. would drop. And it was interesting because Chicago was a, was an expansion team. Right, yeah. So the they were in that draft, and the Sky got the second pick. Yeah. But I was hoping that L.A. got LA the first got pick. The pick. And I remember when they got the first pick, my brother, my middle brother Marcus, called me and was like, yeah, we going to Cali. <laughs> <laughs> we going to Cali. And that was, yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. So you playing with the Sparks and – I know you feel like you can win a championship with this team. Like, mm -hmm. tell us about them first couple of years with the Sparks and playing with playing with Lisa Leslie and that much expectation on y'all's shoulders. You know, I'll I'll say this, and I know y'all ain't a viral type of thing, so, but we, <laughs> if we were healthy, in all things, we we should have won. So she was she had her daughter the year before I got drafted. That. NCAA tournament I was playing and reached and tore my labrum in my shoulder. Yeah. So I, I was supposed to have surgery and I was like, nah, like it's an Olympic year. I'm the number one pick. I want to play. So like put me in the brace, whatever. So I played, but my shoulder just that year kept constantly popping out, like just constantly popping out, whatever. So we got to the Western Conference Finals and we lost on a last second shot. Sophia Young threw up some bullshit. And went in. <laughs> So we went to game three, then Becky Hammond wanted to like drop 35 on us. It was ridiculous. She was doing all these shots. Like it was just ridiculous. So anyway, kudos, to, I mean, credit to them. They beat us. But that year, at the end of the year, you know, I got rookie of the year MVP. Yeah. And I remember being like, I was going for the three-peat because we'd won the NCAA tournament, Olympic gold medal, and I wanted to win a WNBA championship all in the same year. Yeah. So we fell short. The next year, little did I know, I was I was expecting like yeah. you know I played the end of the year didn't have any idea and then that off season I was like oh so I'm gonna be a mom yeah. and that year I came back but I wasn't myself you know I came back you know seven or eight weeks after I had my daughter and it took time to get going I've torn my ACL and then I had to sit out my freshman year in Tennessee from a total knee reconstruction from oral condyle resurfacing, like kind of similar to microfracture my freshman year. Mm. 
torn my shoulder, had meniscus. There's nothing harder than coming back from a baby. Like, like your timing. I mean, I was 23 when I had her, so I was pretty young. I was still working out. It's nothing like, I mean, your mind is like jump and your body's like three (laughs) seconds behind. So it took forever. And I relied a lot on my athleticism. I mean, rebounding, pushing the ball. And it was just like your hips, everything. And so it took, I would say I came back in July. I had her May 13th. I came back July 5th to my first game. Wow. And then I would say August, September is when I started feeling like I could play basketball again. I mean, it was a different challenge. And then Lisa retired after that year. Yeah. So it was just like what could have been if both of us were really healthy and on the court at the same time but you know life happens and I'm so blessed to have had my daughter and her be able to share my career I cannot fathom doing what my wife did (laughs) like trying to be an athlete and that be one of my priorities that I have to you know deal with and tend to like when I was like for me I had my children after I was playing but like even when just looking at that whole process, thinking to myself, I, w- I would have had a problem hooping, I felt like. And I'm not even the primary guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, just being there, just because I was trying to be involved, like, staying up, whatever. They, you know, trying to get them sleep trained and all that. Like, I would have been showing up like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, it's what's going on? just get to the next day. But I think the biggest thing was... Just as an athlete, you have certain things. Like, I pregame nap. I sleep two yes. hours before the game. I have my pregame meal. I nap. I get up. I shower. I do it this way. And it's like every day is a different, like, you get her all ready for the game. And she throws up on all everything. Yeah. And then you got to change the, the outfit and explosion. get the diaper bag. And then, like, yeah, she, you know, she gets sick. I mean, I've missed a number of games because, listen, my mom was a stay-at-home mom with us. And when I'm sick, to this day, I still want my mom. Yeah. And... I want Layla to have that. I didn't ever want her to be like, well, my mom was different because she worked. Like, I never wanted that. And so when she's sick, shit shuts down. Like, I have, like, I've not made games, trips. I've delayed overseas. Like, my baby is number one. And so, yeah. So it just went from basketball being the be all end all to like, man, there's more to life once I had my daughter. That's dope. Speaking on that with your experience of, of, of having your daughter, like seeing the changes and everything that's being made with the CBA and, and you know, reading about what, what Skyler went through, how do you feel about, you know, all of the great advancements that have been made? And, I'm, we you know, obviously still a lot of more work and further to go, yeah. but it was good seeing the, the improvements that were made. You know, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's great because I think all of us want to leave the game better than we came into it. And we didn't have our own rooms as rookies. You don't get it till your fifth year. So you share that's a room. That's crazy. Until your like, fifth year. like, that's. So you share on, a room. Like, yo, like, you about to nap? Like, right, college, cool, right. To... So, I mean. Sharing the bathroom and everything. Like, that's ridiculous. That's... Exactly. So when I had my daughter, I nursed for 15 months. So she had to go everywhere I went. And I was very adamant about not sacrificing my career for my daughter and not sacrificing you know, being a mom for my career. Like I just wanted to have both. And so she went everywhere with me. So my mom went with me, her dad went with me sometimes and I'd have to buy the other portion of the room. So I'd have to buy my room on the road, buy the the airline ticket, figure out, you know, (laughs) 
childcare right, on the nanny road. Or anything. Yeah, nanny, whatever. It just was really hard. And all that why trying to play and trying right. to, you know, which is crazy. Balance. And so now to see, you know, they're gonna have a stipend, or I guess I'm included in that. So we're gonna have a stipend. <laughs> We're gonna be able to have maternity leave where you get your full salary. Stuff that you're like, wow, you didn't already have that? That's what Seriously, I've heard a lot. Seriously, like I heard yeah, that you didn't have like a family room. Like how do you not have a family room? No. So, you know what I'm saying? Like during the game, your kids can go and, and have somewhere that they cool where it's a nanny and all of that stuff. Like every team I've been a part of in the NBA, we've had a family room where a whole separate place where they got food, they can get drinks, they can feel the people know them, they get badges, and then by the time the quarter of the season gone, they know each other and they know our kids and they have nannies, two, three, four of them that rotate and everything is taken care of and you don't have these no, issues. And that's it's, not how it is. That's crazy. But here's the thing I do want to say. You know, the NBA hasn't always been what the NBA is right now. Not at all. It's been a growing process. So we have to remember that it is a growing process, but you are kind of what you accept. And when the players decided, listen, this is the way it's going to be, you know, you got to invest. I mean, we talk about the impact David Stern had. A lot of the things he said and did at the time weren't popular. Right. You know, it it was about progress. progress. Exactly. I mean, the NBA was on tape delay in the 80s. I remember watching the playoffs on tape delay. Right. So we're looking at a finished product in the NBA and trying to compare it to the WNBA. And so that's where I'm like, hold on, let's pause this. We're our own league and we're going to try to be our own league. But in saying that, there are some things that are non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a professional. Yeah, just to hear it, like, because we fight for it. Like, you know, I love the WNBA. I I love basketball, like all kind of basketball, no matter where it is. And we knew about it, but to go in details, to hear y'all speak about it in details, of like, look, we don't have this. We shouldn't rooms. We got to wait for this flight. Or it's We're just, doing all this when our main job is overseas. I, yeah, I made and that's, that's crazy. 20 times what I made in the WNBA overseas. That's how I fed my daughter. So we're yeah. doing this to just grow the game. And so you're adding that to the fact that, like, in Russia, I had a driver, a chef. We flew private. <laughs> we had extravagant parties. They took yeah. my translator. To, I had a translator that took care of my daughter. Like, we have all these things. And so then we're coming back here to grow the game. But at some point, you're like, at what cost are you going to let yeah. let some some of these things go? So that's like Diane Taurasi staff. She didn't play the one year. Mm-hmm. She stayed because they paid her. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Like, like that's... Just to hear that. And this is what I'm saying. I'm optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic because, you know, we still, we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. And I think that's the the way that we got to look at it. You know, hopefully before too long, you know, we won't have to go overseas. Straight up. You finally get the opportunity to have a championship season and a tough playoff run. Game five that you had to play. Like, tell us about that game and like, how that game came down to the end and y'all won it? Well, we had it locked up. We were up 2-1 at home. Our owners had already planned our championship run. Like, that night, we had vans waiting for us and, like, all this stuff. And we just couldn't finish it off at Staples. I remember going home and just, like, man, all this we'd done all year, it could be done. Like, we could lose and... All the work we put in could just be for nothing. And then our coach came in, Brian Agler, the next day and was like, 
if somebody at the beginning of the season gave you one game to win a championship, would you take it? And I was like, hell yeah. Like, yeah. He was like, all right, this is that opportunity. And we just kind of changed our outlook from we lost it and it was ours and they took it and get, you know, to like, all right, let's go. And we went out there and just played in the moment in game five. A lot of stuff happened. We were up 10 with a minute's 10 to go. Yeah. And almost lost it. They went up, and then NECA <laughs> came down and had to hit a crazy put back at the, Straight you know. Up. So it, it was just represented our season, just how we just kept fighting, and it wouldn't have gone any other way. I, I do believe strongly in energy, and I think you guys can feel it on a team. When the energy is there, yeah. you win some games you shouldn't win yeah. just because it's positive energy. Yep. Like we talk yeah. about work environment, we talk yeah. about things, I mean, like even what y'all have, yeah. like, there's got to be some sort of positive energy in any relationship that you have that will take you further than you would if you were negative. That, I, I agree with you 100%, but that's not true with him. I don't like this. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just well, that's from the outside. It looks, y'all can keep that inside. <laughs> so to win a championship, to finally win one, like to be called a champion, you used to see when you grew up, you see, like I say, the Cheryl Swoops, the Lisa Leslie, you see all these people win these championships. To be called a champion, what do that mean? Well, first of all, in L.A., if you're a winner, like, you're loved forever. Yeah. Right. And that's how it was. And I remember Michael Cooper telling me, like, Cooper was like, listen, if you win in L.A., you will, you'll be fine. Like, you'll be great. And that's how it was. I mean, to be called a champion, I'm a firm believer in people can luck up on one thing. So I kind of believe in you got to win, too. Uh, to be considered a real true champion and I still believe that in college I said the same thing in order for me to be able to be mentioned with the greatest in college I gotta win too and it's the same thing I feel that way in the WNBA it feels great but I think it's more of like a reflection at the end of your career you know because we won you put all that effort and then you go home and we talked about this we talk about this in the makeup room all the time at Turner what's your biggest feeling is it losing or is it winning and for me I remember losing more than I remember winning. Like, winning, I feel like you move on faster. Losing, it's like you're in your bed. Like, after seasons that you should have won, you're in your bed. Like, Layla's knocking on the door like, Mommy, like, you gonna come out and open the blinds? Like, (laughs) it just hit different. You don't want to watch basketball on TV. You don't want to watch sports. You don't want to watch anything. And it's like, being a champion is great in comparison to being, to losing that year, you know? Like, yeah. I remember I've played 12 seasons, 11 of those. I can recall the end of every season. Like I can go back to that place in my mind and like right. tell you exactly what I did after the game and what, right. you know, like it's just the worst feeling ever. So I think it's more of like, you don't want to feel that way. So you're happy you're a champion. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Who is your, not top, but your favorite five women basketball players ever that you love the most? Cheryl Miller was before her time in the sense that if Cheryl Miller had the opportunities that we have now, I think she'd go down as the greatest player in the history of basketball. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a little video, there's video and tapes, and obviously she played in the WNBA, but it was way past, you know, her prime. But she's a player that the videos we did have, my dad showed me and I mean, she was 6'2", could do it all mm-hmm. at that time. Could dunk, could... I mean, that Jerry Crow was moving in transit. Right. So Cheryl Miller is definitely one that I looked up to. Obviously, Cynthia Cooper, you look at that and that whole run during that time. And I think 
you know, 96 Olympics had a lot to do with where women's basketball is right now. I mean, yeah. they won the gold medal and just the history started there. I mean, you talk about Lisa Leslie, talk about Don Staley. I mean, I had yeah. the pleasure of playing with Tisha, Tisha Pinachero. Remember the first time I saw her, my, my brother went to Bradley University and she was playing on the ODU team. And yeah. my brother went to the game because somebody he was talking to was on the girls' team. <laughs> and Tisha did everybody on her team. <laughs> she was live. No look passes, spinning, all that. She and was a show. She was. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, so those are probably my top. Like, your game got everything in it. You can shoot the three, you can post up, you can go off the dribble. And you know about the game. Like, who... I know you got stuff from different people, but who was them few people that you patting your game after that you wanted to kind of So I grew up like, like the biggest Allen Iverson fan. Yeah. And my brother hmm. got drafted and then traded to Philly. Like yeah. all of us. And <laughs> yeah, AI crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Like AI was on my wall. Right. I had like the finger band. So my brother one birthday got me his finger band. Oh, and man. AI gave me his finger band. And I played with it every game in high school. Like that was like my magic, my like the magic, uh, yeah, magic. What was it, Mike? All right, uh, Bow Wow, not Magic Mike. I'm quoting the (laughs) stripper movie. uh, What is like Mike? Like Like Mike, Mike, yeah. Y'all looking at me like, yeah, Magic Mike. I'm like, that's not it. Like Mike. So wait, is that is that why you wore number three? That is exactly why I wore number three. So when I got to college, I wore thirty two for my dad because that was his number. And then when I got to college, it was retired. Deja Charles had it, so it was retired. So I was like, all right, I got to go back. Like I got to go to AI. And so AI, honestly, I remember being out there doing all the like and one mixtape stuff. You know, when AI jumped up and hit it off his elbow in that 2000 All-Star game, like all that. I tried all that in the driveway. So I would say him. You know, I was a big Chris Webber fan too, just because he was mobile and a four and could dribble and shoot and all that. And so, yeah, and then just every, I mean, Dr. J, like my dad had that on repeat. Mm-hmm. Being able to go up, so if, when you watch me go to the basket, sometimes I get in trouble because I'll be trying to yeah. <laughs> push it all, all out there. Yeah. yeah, so it was just yeah. For you to be, you know, you on the female Mount Rushmore, and you from the crib, so you know what I'm saying that we wet at. Talk about in general what Chicago basketball and what Chicago basketball means and how it impact. You know how we are. We oh, wet at. We wet at bags with pride and like, look, we. You see my shirt. Mm-hmm. Shout out Pledge Allegiance to the flag. Shout out my um. My twelve hundred label people in Chicago, but you know we wear we run around and like for any. Nah, I'm from Chicago. I'm from the crib. You know, like we we run with that and we wear that pride. Talk about what that means. Yeah, I mean Chicago has always been, I think, the measuring stick of basketball, and I don't yeah, I heard say that. that you know without understanding the huge impact that Chicago has had on my career. Like I remember playing Marshall. And we beat them at Marshall. And I remember the UIC tournaments in the summer where that's where you went. Hoop Express, when we went Hoops the Gym. When you go and you figure out if mm-hmm. your game got better from the summer previous. And I remember going in there and Michael Jordan was working out with Tim Grover mm-hmm. and watching through the window before we could get on the court to, mm-hmm. to practice. Yeah. I mean, all that has had an impact on who I am as an individual, but also as a basketball player. And like I said, when you get respect from Chicago... Yeah. Doesn't matter if anybody else respects you. It really doesn't. It, it means, means no because <laughs> it's just it's you. different. That's the thing is you know you figure out every single day if you're as good as you have worked or as you think you are. 
She just said every single day. Yeah. That's the part about Chicago that people don't understand. Like, oh, you you won a championship. That that, that don't matter. Yeah. This next every game, day. somebody gonna try and chin check you. You could hoop, or you could shoot, but are you tough? If I knock you down, are you gonna get up? Yeah. And that's what you know. What I'm saying that's what create that toughness and that grittiness that you see from every single player. I don't care. You name one. And it's it, what's insane is I love looking at the history. Like I remember Derrick Rose in sixth grade. He played for Ferrari. My mm-hmm. uncle coached Ferrari. Yeah. Going in doing the same Crazy stuff he was doing layup. his rookie in second year. I mean, going in there in sixth grade, double pumping, jumping, yeah. doing this like the layups, the floaters, the all same that. Same thing you're doing now in sixth grade. Like yeah. I remember that, and so. It's just really cool to see the people from Chicago when they're young because I think you see a lot of the history history and people are, are wowed and like, oh, man, he could do that. No, he's been doing that since sixth grade. Yeah. Like, I remember. Yeah. And just, I mean, everything. Remember the hoops? Was it the hoops prep show? The prep sports, whatever, Chicago where it was like Eddie preps. Curry, Sean Dockery, Sean Dockery and uh, Cappy Pondexter. Yeah. And they were all. And Jason Strait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like Three dreamed of Najib that. Echols. Like I dreamed of that. And <laughs> yeah. then it's just funny because you see, we only had two classes. There were none of this 27 classes where it was like it's 27 crazy state championships. Single A and double A. It was single A, double A. Single was A it. was. Yeah. We could have, we should have yeah, probably had yeah. a playoff between single A and double A. That would have been not, no competition, but <laughs> single yeah. A and double A. And double yeah. A was like the let's, business. Yeah, like the let's business. go. You yeah. had the city league champion. They came down. That's what I said. Now, like the, state. now, we when we came through, they had city tournament. One team come out the entire city and they rep the city. Now. Yeah. People could lose city and then four, three, four, five different teams still go out of city downstate. I was like, how yeah. does this happen? That's yeah. how it is. Like and when Jaleel then went, because I remember like I'm watching, checking in Jaleel Oakland, and I'm like, they lost city. I'm like, damn, okay, they, they gonna go out of city. Then it's like, no, they won though. state. I'm like, how did they lose they city, city but win right? state? Like, yeah. what? That's They changed all the rules. But I remember going to see Sean Livingston. Yeah. Sean Livingston was... He was that deal. No, so listen, here's the best story about SDOT. So the first time I ever met Sean Livingston, this is during my state championship, 1998. Yeah. We we in state tournament. He's like this big. Mm-hmm. Halftime show. He's out there on the show. Yeah, running around, dribbling ball, little big head kid, little bitty kid, mm-hmm. head bigger than his whole body. Basketball out there, he got it on a string. That's Sean Livingston. Yeah. <laughs> he grow up to be S. Dot. Yeah. It, First it, time I ever met him, he had to be like eight or nine. So here's the thing. My brother played with at Bradley. Right, yeah. Okay? He, he grew up near Peoria, like yeah. Sean did. Right yeah, there. So, yeah. We went to a camp and played against each other together. That's crazy. At a camp in Peoria. And That's, it's just the connections. I mean, everybody, you have certain tournaments that you go to. And the people that are trash don't go to those tournaments because they know that they're going to get exposed if they come. And, you know, so that's Chicago. Shout town. Page country boys. Nothing. You know, small school, you want to be, I was from a small school, so you want to be accepted from the big city. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I used to be so aggressive and so coming up. See, I was, everybody thought I was everybody thought I was soft, so they would all try to test me downtown. I think everybody. people used to think I was soft because I was skinny. That's but I was tough as a motherfucker, like. But because I was skinny, my all one hundred eighty five pounds of them. <laughs> my physique looked like oh, he's skinny in the motherfucker. And I didn't look like it. It was. 
No. It buzzed. It was 185 at 6'9, bro. So, you was frail. But I was an animal, though. I didn't say that. I said you physically and you look, you All were right, so small. Here, here's a question I have for y'all because we, we asked this. Does Chicago claim KG? Is KG Chicago? No. No? No. So, okay, let me ask another question. Does Chicago basketball claim KG? We yeah we were claiming for for that senior year because he did legendary stuff and he came out of Chicago straight to the high school but like you can't I mean I don't think he would claim Chicago I don't think he claimed Chicago but I think Chicago made him oh no like, we definitely and we we impacted not made him let me, not made him let but me be impacted careful, like impacted absolutely yeah. a million percent was, was a million percent and we can't wait to have him on here because I want to talk about it I want to because I you know I'm from the Red West where he so played cool. at so you know. He's so dope. I remember watching him. I think I think what? it's definitely that was epic. I'm trust me when he touched down on the city, it was I keep crazy. Trying to explain to people that it's similar, like it's like everybody's hype about Bronny and Zaire or anybody, anybody playing together. I'm like, it was you don't not realize the same. it was two of the best in high school teaming Ever. up together to play at one college and one coming from out of state to play. Yo, <laughs> the thing it was crazy. It was for that real was crazy, a movie. Yeah. D Rose career, like how you see how I'm so proud of D Rose and see and where he is. That's the thing. I think people still don't understand the impact that he had. And I didn't want when Chicago had the pick. I didn't want to go to Chicago yeah. to play at home. It's hard. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. And D Rose went to Chicago and, and played and put it down. <laughs> and hold put it, it down. all the way down. He brought like that light that you ain't have in Chicago since Mike never left. It was like it was a whole new energy in Chicago. Even with I'll go a step further because even with what Mike and them did, he had a he had a a step further because it's homegrown. Or yeah, yeah, some he energy, the from, energy in the city of D Rose that grew from the cement. Chicago talk about D Rose. It was like uh, it's, it was great. Like I just think iconic moments like when he was in high school and was playing at the United Center. Yeah, cocked back cocked and like. Hit him with his chest. The dude then, ran mean, so hard back. He, what you I doing? When I first started hearing about it, he was like, man, Simeon got a young boy over there. This is when he was a sophomore when I first ever seen him play. And they said, yeah, this boy, they said, he gave him Benji number. I said, oh. That, that right there was yeah. like an indicator to make you turn your head. Like, wait, yeah. what? Like, yeah, okay, Benji's like, so let me see what's up. But the crazy thing, too, is I went and watched a workout. I was coming back from having my daughter and my trainer was working, you know, trying to get me back into it. And D Rose and Westbrook were working out before my workout. I oh have never God. seen anybody oh not slow down when they cross over. <laughs> oh you know how like you, okay. Like yeah. it's the same speed. I have never seen that in my life. And their workout, it was Them crazy. two right there, like D Rose at his prime and, and like you know, Russell Westbrook hurt. throughout. Like those are two most explosive point guards we've ever seen. Yeah. Like John Moran trying to catch up now, he coming along and he 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 something special. But them uh, two, now John, John trust me, like, John Moran, young boy fresh. I'm telling you, I talk about him all the, on my show to bounce with you. Know? Yeah, but it wait don't. Wait till he wait it, till he puts like a little muscle on. Time wait out, because he, he flexes and I'm like stop. No, he's <laughs> allowed. I'll, I'll no, I'll what allow it. I'll allow it because when I seen him go down the lane and he took off on Aaron Baines and then just like Aaron Baines lay people down. He flushed him and went kept going. <laughs> he kept going back. <laughs> they both. I said, "Oh, this young boy here is impressive. He's special." Yeah, he's exciting to watch. I just don't want him like. Yeah, you don't want to see him get hurt because he's like, going point to point guards like that. That's what I'm saying. I-, I wish when I was younger, somebody would have just taught me how to control it. 
Yeah. Because I was fearless and wiry and just like With did shit. all this and went to the hoop. And it's like there's a way to land. There's a way to. If D Rose yeah. had the gears he take now before, That's if he was able to like now, you can he, see he, he can, can slow it. it down. But like before, yeah. he used to be a million miles. And around. That's what I'm saying. Zero it's like you look at Westbrook. You look at D Rose. You look at like a jaw, which I hope now medicine has caught up where they'll teach him how to do all that stuff. Slow but it down a little bit. That's what happened to Steve Francis. His knee went out. Just look at all the wiry, explosive. It doesn't. Because you're going. Mm -hmm. You only got so many jumps in you. (laughs) Tell that to Zion. (laughs) I would stop him from dunking. Like, you're not allowed to dunk unless you're in a game. I told him that the other day. (laughs) He was standing in front of the rim. You just come off, then they got him going between. I said, no, this ain't for this right now. Throw it between his legs. I don't want to see that right now. It's just unbelievable he gets that in the air. Yeah, he's so exactly. explosive. That in the air. He, he absorbs that much the energy. The bumblebee. Like, it's really not supposed to fly, crazy. but... <laughs> yeah, tw- <laughs> Like, how does this... It's not hey, possible. Hey, that's why when that boy sit down... He, he's 20 and 10 on his worst day, though. As he sit down on that bench, he'd be dead tired. That boy be... So talk about how you made the transition and got into the media and where you are now with Turner... And you have your own podcast with Christian Ledlow. Y'all getting it in. Had Kobe on already. Didn't y'all have Charles? Yeah, we've had Chuck, Kobe, Robin Roberts. Uh, we've had Allison Felix. We've had a number of really cool They working out people. here. Big time. They working out here, Black. I mean, we're trying to. You know what I'm saying? You guys, yeah. your people have to call us our people. So you know what I'm saying? Get y'all on, but. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, it was, it was something I really enjoyed. I mean, I'm sitting on my couch watching basketball, talking shit. So why not? Exactly. Why not get paid to do it? You know. Exactly. Exactly. And so it, it ended up being like the second best job in the world to me, other than playing basketball. So playing basketball is number one. Yes. And like talking about it. Listen. It was just a no-brainer. Listen. Yeah. So and the only it, difference between the two is that you ain't gonna hurt yourself doing this. Exactly. Like I, I can I can go out the night before and drink with Chuck and yeah. then come and talk. On yeah. you know on air, but I think it was that. But the transition was I did not want to go overseas. I went to China, and my daughter has she went to preschool in Russia. She went over with me to Istanbul. She's been to China with me twice. We spent Christmases in China, France. I mean everywhere. And she might have been more countries than me already. She she was speaking Russian Passport with a little black girl with up. puffs talking about Privyet. like she was <laughs> speaking so straight up Russian. That's so hard. so it got to the point where she was like eight and. Layla is my homie. That's like my best. Like she's just my soul for, for sure. And every time I tell her like, all right, we're going someplace. She's like, great. Okay, yeah. mommy. Like, when are we leaving? Like, let me get my stuff. You know, whatever. Her school is great. Worked with us. This last time I told her we were going to China, she said, okay, mommy, and turned her head. And she like started crying. Like you could uh-huh. see it was starting to like really affect her. And I was like, you know, there's got to be a happy balance of where I can have a living, but then also allow my daughter to like have activities, have norm, you know, friends in the States consistent and not always friends. have to, yeah. And to be consistent. And so Turner, obviously I watched team, everybody watched TNT right. inside yeah. the NBA. Yeah. Everybody watches that NBA TV. <laughs> if you're a fan, you're watching NBA TV. Right, exactly. So that was me. It was always on two sixteen on NBA TV. Yep. Always. So that's kind of how it started. I was looking at that and came in for, you know, one or two things in the studio just to kind of fill in for somebody. And then Area 21 was when it really kicked off. And I was on with KG at All-Star one time mm-hmm. and then went on the show a couple times and it was just great vibes. Makeup room just with him, with everybody, all the talent. 
then the next year they asked me to do players only. Yeah. So I did players only, and then they one of the talent took a took a job, you know, in the NBA, and so they were like, "Hey, you want to fill in?" I was like, "Perfect." Right. Yeah. And so that's kind of when it was two years ago when I started consistently going to Atlanta, and now I just love it. I mean, the people is really what. You know, like your teammates can make you want to come to practice. Like, can you? That's exactly what it is. Have you ever been on teams that have been successful and it's just like you don't like the people? Right. And it doesn't matter how much success you have if you don't mess with the people you work with or your teammates. It's miserable. If it's negative energy around, telling you. But no, that's 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 one hundred percent what it is. It turned like I'm, you know, I'm there now and been that last year and a half. And like you said, it's like you going there. You got a great group of teammates that you can't. You you about to go hang out with. They know you know they have your back. Yep, y'all about to sit down, talk crap, hang out, kick it, and have a good time. Literally, you going there, order food, you know, do your production meetings, and then you get your work done. But you, you know, it's like a it's like a, you hanging out type vibe. It's not. We never feel like we at work really. Like mm-hmm. you know, like in the maker room, it's never music playing. Yeah. Like I'm talking and about everybody's talking. It's not just talent. It's yeah. people with the makeup. It's Jamie and everybody. Mickey, it's Mickey, every, it's yeah. everybody. Yeah, I know what I want to ask. What's up? So when you when you start getting that bread, like not the politically correct thing. <laughs> what you went? What you went and splurged on? Did you look back on like, yeah, that was a young Candice right mistake. there, but like. I don't even have a mistake You know Sometimes we do something You gotta treat yourself a little bit You work real hard You you know You earned it Um That's a good That's a good point I don't know if I Ever bought Anything that Was crazy But I'm real particular About my vacation So I think I took (laughs) Way more extravagant vacations (laughs) Than my means At the beginning stage Of my career Like (laughs) that was my big dream Was just to have Just go on A dope vacation And just Nice sweet Yeah nice sweet Bring the people That I want to bring You know Have a good time And we know That could be costly That could be costly I got that bill like Damn (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you drink So much orange juice (laughs) Who was a walking bucket Who was a woman's player That Every time you see like she gets buckets. I mean Simone Augustus. Oh, yeah. I played against her in college at LSU and then when she came to Minnesota, they weren't good her first I don't know how many years, but she would get thirty every and we would be doubling. Like we know where the basket was coming from. Like nobody else can score on their team. We gotta stop her and she would still get a bucket. I mean, that little like fade shot over her head, you couldn't block it. You knew the the right to left was gonna come back. You knew yeah. it, but you still got crossed. She, to me, is one of those players that, especially in her prime. I mean, we had Big Baby on here. He was telling us like they mm-hmm. if they high school, she was the best player. Mm-hmm. Like even though they was whatever in front of the area, like she was the best player. Oh, B yeah. Bass and her went to the same high school, mm-hmm. and like we were teammates with the Magic. And he used to be like, man, listen. We was he was all American all that he was like she had more college coaches and people coming to the school yeah. for her than anybody. Mm-hmm. The show, <laughs> thousand percent. Moan was crazy. I mean, she still gets buckets, but to be <laughs> arguably the best female basketball player ever, how did that feel? Like what you dreamed of? You came up and you seen male side and female side basketball and you just like your career is going to be matched up with so many people's career how does that feel like i think the biggest thing for me was i was always about versatility and about crossover appeal yeah and i think the thing that i really respect is when some of the best dudes come up to me and like you know, in Chicago, you get that nod of respect. 
Yeah. And you yes. get it. And I almost hold on to that more than, you know, even nationally. Nice. I think when I got that respect in Chicago, when I came, I remember I came down and played at a USC tournament against Cappy Pondexter. And Cappy Pondexter okay. was like, you talk about Mount Rushmore, like in Chicago <laughs> basketball, not just female basketball. Talking about male, the female, truth. all that. <laughs> Cappy Pond, like I was in eighth grade. Talk that yeah. talk. And I came up to Cappy and was like, um, hey, I'm Candace Park. She's like, I know who you are. I was like, oh, you do? <laughs> like, okay. So she knows who I am, you know? And yeah. I think that to me is when men see what they're going to see, women see what they're going to see. But when you get that crossover appeal of both is when I think you really have the respect. Yeah, because I used to hear about you like a long time ago. And uh, when Cappy came, I was a big Cappy Poindexter fan because we used to play against their high school yep. all the time. Marshall. And then after she went out, I always pay attention to her. Then you came and... Like, for you to be so dominant and just so versatile, you was different. I feel like you was kind of like me. I was a different type of player that they never really kind of seen before. And you was the same way. You was tall. You can dribble. You can shoot. You know what I'm saying? You could post up. Like, you did every single thing. It's like you was the one to... Like the Tamika Kesson, like when she came out, she was a versatile type player, but you took it to an extreme. Like, and girls coming behind you now... It's just, it's, it's. I just laugh because the NBA now, you know, when we were coming up, it was like the fours ran the middle of the floor, they reversed the ball, they ran over, they screamed, yeah. and they popped or they rolled, and it was like, yeah. I, I remember rebounding the ball and pushing it, and coaches being like, hold on, no, like, exactly. fours yeah. can't push the ball. That's what they used to do And me so like it's that. just fighting yeah. through that, and now you see where, and this is what I laugh about all the time, like, you had fours and yourself and like Lamar Odom and you know even like Dirk's not athletic wise but just Dirk wise and now you see Giannis and you're like that is the reason why it is the way it is Yes. and so it's always like a steady point and you know when I came into the league I can say it now like there weren't fours that were pushing the ball and handling the ball and you know the the NBA likes to claim that they were the first to (laughs) have the four to push the ball (laughs) um no, but I think it's just about changing the game and about progress and the evolution of it. Let me ask you this, because, like, when it was okay for me to get the ball off the board and push it, I had to always dunk it. I know if I got this ball off this board and push it, <laughs> I either got to lay it up, go coast to coast and lay it up, or go coast to coast and dunk it for my coach not to say nothing to me. Mm-hmm. Was that the same, like, reaction for you? Because I know, like, they telling you not to – do it and when you finally do it you're like alright so I know when I get this board and I push it I either gotta make a play for somebody mm-hmm. or I gotta score that would gave at you the, the confidence beginning, at the beginning it was like that it gave you confidence um, to do it at the beginning it, it was like that but I think as we started going back and there were like more advanced stats yeah. and more things like that I remember there was a stat at Tennessee of when I rebounded the ball yeah. like our percentage of scoring when that happened yeah. and it was like significantly higher than anywhere else. And it's not by accident. So I think when those stats kind of came into where, you know, obviously I had to keep my turnovers down, but even just a simple give and go, you know how hard it is to train your body? I I don't want to guard that. If somebody's dribbling down, because, you know, guards, they move their feet, y'all do all that, you know, whatever. Post, we don't want to do that. Like, I'm trying to guard an ice on that side. I'm trying to hedge and get back to mine. I need help on the recovery. Right. Like, I got to run hard to get back. Yeah, get I got to run me. back and all that. Like, I don't want to guard all I, it that It felt good to hear something that 
they didn't want you to do to like now you hear a coach to be like hey when you get the board push mm-hmm. cause you know being as a big man or being as mm-hmm. labeled as a big man the first thing they be like get it to the guard yep but now when they see it, they be wanting it to be repetitive every game. Uh-uh, no, you no, get the, bo- you pu- you get the yeah, board, you, push you get the board, push. push it, yeah. No, it's like that, and it's... And you you was, like, they weren't doing that. Like, you you play center sometimes, and you setting it up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's transcending, and you know what I'm saying? Like, you showing women's basketball, like, a whole different level. Like, it's changing because of you, you know? Well, I think it's it's a lot of... A lot of different things. I mean, I don't know. You guys have probably been told not to do a move a million times. Yeah. Like, Pat That's... was against me using my left hand. Because, you know, with my dad, if I didn't use my left hand on the left side, like, I had 20 push-ups when I got home. Yeah. Like, why didn't you? Because you know when you play I'm better competition, like yeah. th- that's getting blocked. So if you come through and shoot, no, that's getting blocked. That's it's, blocked. Twenty, you know, that's how it was. And so for me, if I would go in and miss a left-handed shot, coach would be like, "Just use your right hand," and I'd be like looking in the stands, like, "But my dad, but like." I think yeah. I think that's like now we talk about looking at the game. I mean, women's and men's just looking at the game now. I've seen different people talk about. I saw Powell wrote an article saying like how some of the things that people randomly do just playing. Man, we'd have got benched. We'd have got exiled to the bench, yeah. screamed on and everything else, been on the film the next day. Like, who do you think you are? You disrespected the game. All of this different yeah. stuff. Like, people like, and there's no disrespect to the movie. I'm just saying it's a, it's a different age. Like, we would have got, man, listen. And some of the celebrating too. But I also think, like, we probably wouldn't have survived Twitter and Instagram. Because, like, <laughs> you know. the, college, we was too real. We was Instagram too real. came out, like, two years after. And Twitter was, like, just starting when I was in college. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted social media and all that and so no, now it's more of like entertainment even in high school you look at now it's entertainment so that's like gonna get more clicks so coaches can't be like nah don't show emotion cause Zeke says that all the time in the studio like Ja celebrated he was like oh he would've got messed up the next time <laughs> down the court you know it's just <laughs> but that's Zeke's it's just entertainment that era. yeah like that it's era. just Zeke that's never gonna not bad be boy. man <laughs> him and Mikhail I'll be in there like <laughs> the best stories ever though man they have the best stories. How do you feel when you see some of these young girls now that's like really out here like banging? Like mm-hmm. I seen, you know, I, I'm sure you on Instagram, we all on social media, and you see just some of the clips and you see the girls at a young age, just how the game has expanded. Like not only with the, some of the girls being athletic and dunking, but just how they their games have expanded so far. What do you feel about that, where the game is going for females and little Man, girls in general? I love it, and I... I've always been a big believer in the fact that, like, you have to have access and exposure, and you got to see it first. Mm-hmm. And training, eating at an earlier age, understanding that, like, you can be an athlete, and it hasn't always been like that. And so I think now we're seeing the transition of growing up and how beneficial it is to grow up seeing people like yourself on television and seeing women athletes. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's just as important for my niece to see it as my nephew as well. Because I think it changes the narrative. I mean, my trainer right now, I was the first female that he had trained. Travell Gaines, he trains everybody. Like, everybody in the league, he trains everybody in the NFL. And he was like, wow, like, before I trained you, like, I didn't real, you know, I respect it now. I'm like, yeah. Like, <laughs> we do stuff too. We can, we can jump too. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's about exposure and I'm excited about where the game's going. 
So, you know, we got to show love and appreciation, you know what I'm saying? Hey. With our little uh, D-Miles' creation. You know, we trying to show Black box. Black box. I freaking love it. We trying to show Just love, man. Thank you. Get you a love merch and Thank you so much. And we got very, very gracious partners. Hey. You know this is this is very special. Hennessy VSOP with the, with the special Knuckleheads Yo, edition. So, you know, we out here trying to... Thank you so much, Thank you. The Players Tribune.com